You're listening to the Athletically Declined Sports Podcast. Content for the fans, by the fans. Please like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And go check us out on all other major social media platforms where you can stay up to date on all things happening in Athletically Declined Sports. And now, here's the mound visit with Mr. Baseball, Kyle Claus. What you drinking there, Tyler? Oh, Clancy. This? You mean that? Oh, dude, only some of the best coffee you'll have. But you know what? We'll talk about that more on the 27th. Sounds good. So welcome back to the Mountain Visit, everybody. This is long-form episode number one. Um, there's too much going on in baseball, I think, this week just to, to do it via rant. So I've asked my buddy Tyler here to come on. We're going to try to cover it in detail, give you as much of what we know, and uh, let you form your own opinion. Let us know what you think. So first things first, the Oakland A's. Uh, they have been the gift that keeps on giving, uh, this week started out earlier in the week. Uh, might've been last weekend, actually. Um, the broadcast crew from SNY goes into the visitors broadcast booth at the Coliseum to be greeted by a possum and a mound of possum fecal matter. Um, in which their response is to go and grab another vacant booth set up there to do the broadcast for the game. But sounds about right. Right. So let's add that and file it away in the folder of stories about the Coliseum that we've seen in the past few years. There's been bug infestations, uh, I think bees a little bit, had a problem with that. Uh, Sewage overflow. Um, it was, I think it's happened more than once where the restrooms back up and start flowing into the walkways and let the fans walk through that. Um, didn't they have one of the like outfield walls fall down, like in the middle of a game at one point? Highly possible. And I mean, it's not like <laughs> no one's in the outfield deck really. So unless it's a playoff <laughs> game, so no one's, no one's in danger. Yeah. Um, true. So that being said, not to completely trash the organization. They're aware of this. They, they know the stadium sucks. They've been presenting plans to renovate, get a new stadium, all sorts of things. Plans have been submitted to the city for probably the better part of the decade now. So I went digging. I found the plan that was submitted to the city. Uh, it was going to be for uh, Jack London Square. It's going to be a ballpark on the waterfront. Tyler, it was going to be beautiful. It wow. was. Uh, Have you ever been out stuff. there? So that's one I've been to all the stadiums on the West Coast, except for Seattle and the Coliseum. Okay. Almost. Just by design, when uh, it was family vacation, we were in San Francisco and had time for one. Obviously, you choose San Francisco over Oakland for the time being. Yeah. Um, it's a pretty area, though. Like that would have been, man, that would have been a great addition, especially given the, uh, I guess, the rise in that area for sports. Right, and that that's furthering my point to an extent. Uh, Oakland historically is not the good part of town, right? The, the no. wrong side of the tracks. 
that's changing based off what we've seen. There's yes. a lot of tech startups and everything flooding into the Oakland area. Gentrification's kind of taking place to where, yeah, there's probably still rough areas of town, but a lot of it's up and coming. Property yeah. tires are way up. It's not, it's not the slums by any means anymore. So that being said, it sounds like the plans that were submitted were going to be somewhat similar to what we see in like Atlanta. I think St. Louis has something yeah. similar. And Jim Crane just is headed this direction to where it's the ballpark, but there's a lot of surrounding areas around the ballpark to where it's just a happening place to be. There's event venues. And uh, also Bur- shopping. Berkeley's uh, not that far from Oakland either. People don't kind of forget that Berkeley's in that area. And that is a... It was already a big deal, but I, I I feel like, especially with COVID, like with the rise of online learning and things like that, Berkeley's really starting to get a, a little bit of a more in the spotlight. That's more than just a musical, musically gifted uh, college for people of that nature. Right. Not not just the hippie hippies gathering. Not just hippie. <laughs> it is hippie over there. I'll tell you what. That was one of the coolest sure. areas. You know, going in there whenever we like for my graduation uh, back, God, almost ten years ago. We, my aunt and uncle took me and my, my younger cousin out there and we did the whole PCH thing. And so that was when we got to go in there. I remember going to Oakland and funny enough, the best cheesesteak I've ever had. Haven't been on the East coast to have a cheesesteak in Philly. Cause when I was out there, I did, I was only in Hoboken, but that was the best cheesesteak I've ever had. And it was a guy that opened really? up from Philly and it was just in the middle of Oakland. Wow. Yeah. Side note. So all this further in the point, though, like Oakland, need, the city at least, needs to get with the time. They recognize mm-hmm. there's, there's up-and-coming areas. It's time for a nice ballpark. So the plan submitted for it been waterfront ballpark right there on the base, similar to San Francisco, privately financed, estimated to seat 34,000 fans, parks, housing, retail, nice. offices, all of it. It would have been beautiful did not pass for the city for whatever reason uh shot down the new mayor's name shang tao i guess and when was this when was this submitted the date on this is and i'm asking because i'm curious if that was around the same time that the raiders had didn't they have a similar situation and that's why they moved right so quite possibly so this was submitted in may of 2019 i have no idea when it was shot down Um, or didn't pass, if you will. Right. Um, The Raiders moved three years ago. Hmm? Something to that extent. We're getting close to the same time frame. Yeah. So I'll tie the Raiders back into this here here in a minute. Okay. So this doesn't pass. Kind of blaming it on the mayor, just from resources in the area. Um, The A's have had enough. So this week, press release went out. They bought 49 acres about a mile north of Allegiant Stadium in Vegas. It's crazy, bro. The times they are changing. Yeah, they are. So let's factor in what all this means. So what this means for the city of Oakland, you have lost the Raiders, a very historic football franchise. Yes. To Las Vegas. They gave them a brand new stadium. Beautiful. Looks like the Death Star. And they're still adding to it. Right. Nuts. And they have no problems getting fans out there. (laughs) Not at all. It's sad because 
the Raiders were Los Angeles at one point. Los Angeles mm-hmm. Raiders moved to Oakland, been yanked around to a third location. Well, they went back to L.A. too for a short stint before they went to Vegas. Right. Like, so they've Oakland's that. gotten the shaft, man. Like, thank God for Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Steve Kerr for them from a sports standpoint because, man, I mean, because they also oh. lost Billy Bean. Uh, from the front office of the A's. That's recent, though. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying. It's okay. like it just it like you've got Golden State, right? That's kind of reviving right. the sports, I guess. Um, uh, but they play the in pride. San Francisco now, don't they? Oh, they do, don't they? Oh, right. I forgot about I think that. A similar situation to where they were in Oakland. Couldn't get the arena or whatever. World champion. This is yes. Nice there. I forgot about that. Then because it was a big deal because they moved across the pond. And it was, wasn't it right after they won the first one? And they were basically like, give us a new stadium or we're, move, or we're like relocating across the way. And there was like, and there was like a big push to try and get the stadium figured out. I, again, guys in the chat, please like don't roast me if that's incorrect. But Right. Basketball is not my thing. But from the yeah. business standpoint – were I, I I think that's right. I I vaguely remember reading something about this. So we are losing a franchise that brought us change. You can't tell the history of baseball without talking about the A's. Absolutely not. Billy Billy Bean brought us Moneyball. It changed the way we evaluate players. Yes. You can go back to teams with Vida Blue, Jose Canseco, Mark McGuire, my boy, the Tony Larusa dynasty. Late Reggie 80s, Jackson, Mr. October. Right, exactly. Henderson. It's fixing to be a thing of the past. History. Man. File them next to the Montreal Expos, the Washington Senators. They're gone. That's 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 you know, you could make an argument also, Clancy, like just talking about the history that that script for the I mean, you know, you have the Expos. That kind of I'm trying to remember if Oakland did Oakland come before Montreal. I believe they did. I can look it up. Yeah, look it up. I think it because like what the point I'm saying is talking about like the style of jerseys. You know what I mean? That oh, script, sure. that yellow script that we all know and love of you know athletics in Oakland and that cursive. That's been adopted like across baseball as a generic script. I mean, right. Montreal had it at a point in time, like that 60s, 70s vibe. And Oakland has never changed. And it's a, it's it's timeless. Like, think about that. Like, Oakland has never changed the way their logo looks from a scriptic standpoint. Right? Right. And so there's been – man. So they're technically the Philadelphia A's starting in 1901. Uh, yeah. Okay. So think of that's that's unbelievable. Based in Oakland since 1968. And it, like it's going to become a thing of the past cuz obviously if you move to Vegas you don't miss out on the revenue opportunity to rebrand the jersey no. sales things of that nature. So days will be gone it'll be I saw a few Vegas picks. Yeah, I Wait, no, I didn't. Never mind. I initially thought I saw an article that said uh, some of the names 
like that that were kind of thrown out there but then i realized quickly that they were describing all the teams that had gotten relocated or started in vegas like over the past three years there's like seven six or seven it's interesting to me too so they purchased the property out there submitted the building plans the new stadium out there is slightly bigger housed like thirty-five thousand people but the concept Mm -hmm. is going to be relatively the same i think they're with 49 acres I think right. the plans include, I mean, you're in Vegas, throw, throw a casino out there, hotels, shopping, restaurants, whatever, the whole nine yards. So they're going to get what Oakland could have had out there. And I think it's going to do just fine. As yeah. far as, I just don't get it, man. And that's what's funny. Have you been to Vegas recently, Tyler? I've never been to Vegas, actually. That's one never. place I've never been. And I want to go so bad because, as you know, I'm a big golfer. And right. my one of my dream courses is Wolf Creek. I want to play Wolf Creek so freaking bad. So I went last summer for a buddy's bachelor party. And keep in mind okay. at this point, we're all in our we're all in our thirties. We're married, yeah. getting married, have kids. Believe me when I say there is a relatively mellow way to do Vegas too, and it's fun. You don't have to run right. out to strip clubs. You don't have to be obliterated. Yeah, that's not my scene. Right. I love me a little bit of blackjack. I will play some blackjack. Okay. Just I like numbers and things of that nature. Yeah. So. Take a little bit of gambling money, but outside of that, the food's awesome. You can eat mm-hmm. well. And then, like, sports books is everywhere now. So, oh, yeah. you go throw a little $15, $20 bet on whatever game of the night is. Then you go mm-hmm. sit down. They'll bring you drinks. You can watch the game in oh, yeah. pristine seating, projector. Like, I, I love it. I think it's cool. And it's not it's not filled with debauchery or anything like that. Sure. I think there's a relatively tame way to do it, and whatever they name the organization is going to benefit from it because I think there there's more and more people that that think of it like that. So let me ask you a question, and I know that I'm not going to say historically, but we have seen I think a little bit of maybe a other than than the legacy teams. Some of like the expansion teams, maybe we'll say, adopt similar colors to some of the other teams in times. You know, right. I look at Arizona, um, you know, and, you know, uh, another one, maybe if you look at the Rangers, the Rangers aren't the exact same as the Cowboys, but you've still got that concept of blue, whites. Um, the Nationals are the best example. The Nationals, about. Yeah. Do you think because of it being that kind of age where they like things to represent, like be uniform, that we could potentially see uh, Oakland A's become, you know, a color, let's talk colorway, be similar to maybe the Raiders, Golden Knights, even? So, as much as I make the counter argument, I don't think they'll mess, they'll pass the opportunity to rebrand and the sales that come from Mm -hmm. it. Raiders did. So, Raiders kept the name, the logo, all of that. So, man, I, I think that there's a very real possibility of what you're saying, that they pay owed to history and where they come from. And, you know, this mm-hmm. organization's been around since almost the 1900s to where right. uh, they, re- they respect the historical aspect of it. And some of that doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I mean, management and ownership could just – middle finger to the man we've had enough uh remove everything that tastes like oakland from from us and let's start anew 
So yeah, it could go either way. Because I mean, I enjoy that aspect too. Like I, if as they move, I, I look for little changes and stuff like that. Obviously, they're going to change at least like the away jerseys, right? So mm-hmm. it's not going to say Oakland anymore. It'll say Vegas right. across the front. So um, I just think green, we'll all that entails. green, and you know, I'm going to say gold because I just feel like it's more of a yellow. Right. It just doesn't feel Vegasy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I could see them doing something even more like closer to maybe how the White Sox are, because I feel like those okay. White Sox colors, which I mean goes with the Raiders. I feel like the Raiders colors very much symbolizes what I think of. You know, when I think Las Vegas and sports teams, and I think the right. same thing with the Golden Knights. Like, I don't know, man. It'd be kind of dope to see like the Las Vegas Gamblers or something like that. You know. It would. I mean, it it would play up. I guess you could make the argument too that both the Knights and the Raiders they have a big black component to mm-hmm. their their color palette, if you will. And right. um, Oakland historically doesn't. So maybe there is some adjustment, or they added in another variation or alternate jersey, something to that extent. So right, or yeah, they play into coming, the uh, they play into the because the elephant is Oakland's logo. Like if you talk about icon, that you could right. play into maybe something something like that where you still keep. Some of that history, right, where your logo is like predominantly the elephant, because I don't, I think that could potentially bridge that gap, right? Um, you know, a little old, and then mix it with the new. Maybe you do rename it, but you keep like some of that, some of that with it, because the LV could easily could look really good, I think, with that Oakland script. Like I could see that, you know, like maybe an alternate jersey with the LV, kind of how Texas just did, the Rangers did their city. Right. Like that could be pretty legit. Right. So, yeah, uh, all of that's coming. Uh, they anticipate the stadium's going to cost about a billion. Um, billion, 35,000, which Vegas, that's nothing. They'll, they'll Show me how to make that money, please. Right, exactly. <laughs> how to make that money legally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gosh. Uh, estimated completion date is 2027. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they will hold off from moving until 2027. Uh, right. There's a AAA team there right now, uh, the Aviators. I just had a buddy send me. It's off Wikipedia, so it's infer from it what you will. But uh, the stadium that houses the Aviators, someone went in there and put Oakland A's from 2025 to 2026. So I doubt that's a Freudian slip and actually comes into fruition, but I think there's a possibility they could leave the Coliseum earlier. Uh, just to build anticipation and it's maybe somewhat of a fan base before the the new stadium's complete. So, yeah, you got to we'll do. What happens. You got to do some some legwork too, right? Like build, like you like you're saying, build up some of the hype anticipation. I think that's important. You know, I think uh, if I remember correctly, Vegas did that. Uh, sorry, the, the Raiders. Raiders, Vegas. Um, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, I I don't remember on that one. Sure. Um, right. So that's changing. So on to the next topic. Uh, we had brought up on the round table or I brought up on the round table, um, kind of moving towards pointing out a bias, the situation with Domingo Herman, um, up checks his hand, his hands between coming off the field and they're sticky. Tells him go into the dugout, wash them with, I think it's rubbing alcohol, get all of it off and come back out. And I believe he was 
caught, if you will, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, Rockabadelli comes out, wants to know what's going on, sees it, starts arguing, gets tossed from it. But Hermans let they let him finish the game. Pitched a great game. Act two of this. Uh, Max Scherzer this week. Um, yep. Very similar situation. Uh, he's coming off the field in the second inning originally. Um, feels his hands, says they're sticky, goes into the dugout, washes them off. Um, I think they test him before he goes back onto the mound in the third. Yep. Uh, they aren't sticky at that point. Comes off the mound, the third inning, same situation. They're sticky again. Um, same situation. There's some more exchange. I think they feel the glove. They see the glove sticky. Yep. Uh, comes back out for for the fourth. Um, I don't remember if he gets tossed going into the fourth or after the fourth, but regardless. I think, yeah. He's tossed from the game. He's not happy now. either. No, he's <laughs> rightfully so. Like I yeah. understand, uh, we'll we'll analyze this to a point where I can understand definitely why he's pissed. Um, further analysis uh, shows that what they're feeling on his hand is a combination of rosin. There's a rosin right. behind every mound, and sweat of his brow. Those mixed together, and I did research, almost went to the devil to find some of this out, but uh, Trevor Bauer, very prominent YouTube presence once upon a time, Tyler as we Houston fans call him, but right as this rule is being rolled out, he makes the point of uniformity as far as it's it being enforced, what qualifies and what doesn't, literally having mm-hmm. a lesson on what's sticky. And through that, he makes the point of, he goes, I can form a, a sticky substance of rosin and sweat. And this is two years ago. No one's talking about this. Right. And here we see it in real time. Scherzer's wrestling with this. So sweat's not an illegal substance, obviously. Right. Rosin's not either. So that begs the point, what's, what's the issue here? It, same with this could be exactly what happened with Domingo Ramon too. Sure. Is this sweat and rosin? I will point out too, the other uh, angle to this is um, three players have been thrown out of games since this rule enforcement change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hector Santiago and Caleb Smith in 2021 and now Max Scherzer in 2023. And all of them were thrown out by Phil Cuzzy. Same umpire for all of them. Oh, really? I didn't realize yeah. that. So, goodness, there is a miscommunication somewhere, at least among one ump, right? as to the rule, what qualifies as sticky, what's okay, what's not. So the news as of yesterday evening was it, Scherzer, because he was thrown out of the game, there's a 10-game suspension that goes with it. And initially decided right. he was going to appeal until it comes out that it's not a neutral third party that would deal with the case. It's somebody from the league. Well, the league backed up Bill Cuzzy, so what's the point of appealing it? Right. So, yeah. Uh, I... I understand why Scherzer's pissed and he should be. Yeah. By his by his standard, he did nothing wrong. Like no. I played by the rules. I didn't use anything illegal. Right. Uh, it's a no-win situation. And it, it 
needs to be dealt with. Um, Oops, sorry about that. Go ahead. I don't – the problem, too, they rolled it out in the middle of a season, and they didn't do a whole lot as far as clarifying or anything that we're seeing, like, with the rule changes now. This wasn't right. really practiced anywhere else. This was – it's a pertinent issue. We're going to deal with it in the moment and we'll deal with the repercussions later. And now when the repercussions come up, it's at the player's expense. Player and the team. The Mets lose at least two starts out of Scherzer. So, yeah, which is not, I mean, given the Mets' situation right now, that is not something they can afford. No, not really. JV's on the IL. Scherzer's now out. Uh, I think Carrasco's finally healthy. But still, they, it's not, no team has arms to waste in those it's especially not of that caliber right exactly and so this is somebody that's a major league vet too he's probably been doing this for a long time so how do you tell a guy that's been in the league for a decade to come in you can't do that anymore and suddenly max scherzer's a top five pitcher in the league so suddenly he this is you're changing his game again right because you're changing you're 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 now taking finish your point because I because I got I can go on a rant with this. Right. Go ahead. So this is a successful Cy Young Award winner, I believe, right. at least once. He's been succeeding at this for over a decade. You come in and change the rules, and then suddenly, as he's aging, probably on his way out, you're going to yes. change the rules on him. How does that affect his performance? Like if his numbers shoot through the roof negatively. For the next few years or until his contract runs out, right? You have destroyed that guy's legacy. Thousand percent. And then it'll be tied to just like with these these, you know, these steroid the steroid era, you know what I mean? For right. for hitters is you know, it's just completely disregarded because even if it was one year you get caught doing it, it's it's your entire legacy. The same thing can be said like with with Scherzer is if his if his numbers do go like drastically down to your point, then it's oh well. I mean, it's the only reason why he won those Cy Youngs is because he's been using the substance, right? So then you have an issue now where once again, which God bless, I could get on a freaking rant about this as well. The whole Baseball Hall of Fame situation, and you've got a guy that should easily be a first ballot potentially if if things again were to work out that way. Be be kind of in that same like not that's not I guess it is cheating you know a scandal if you will when it shouldn't right. be that way, right? I agree, and even the last aspect of it, we've already talked about how it affects him, but physically, we talked a little bit mm-hmm. about uh, Tyler Glass now not knowing what to expect right. when he comes back just because right. of what he'd been using is not legal anymore and mm-hmm. was kind of like it wasn't the take on spider tech previously was well it's frowned upon but there's not really a rule against it well now there is muscles your muscles adapt to the grip of whatever pitch you throw so especially curveball right. sure not a heavy curveball guy but okay suddenly he's having to overuse or overwork muscles that he historically hasn't had to use at such a high frequency. So mm-hmm. if he gets hurt, how much of it's attributed to y'all changing this at the beginning of the season like this? We're never going to know. It's a rhetorical no. question. Right. There's no way to measure it. 
but it's it's something to think about. And and you know, so what I was going to say earlier is, you, you know, you're, we're talking about like this rosin and uh, sweat substance, and you know, you had said you know, now I like what you're you're saying all through his career. Maybe you know if he's been using this right now, you're telling him all of a sudden now you're changing the rules up on him at the end of his career. We've we've seen like like how that affects pitchers with the whole uh, what what's what is it the pine tar mixture that what was that three years ago where that kind of got outed of what that was and they cracked down on that where guys are putting on their hat putting on their gloves so that's that's the adhesive spider tack all of okay that, that's filed okay. under the same concept if you will and you yeah and so you had like the guy come what 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 in the story i vaguely remember this the guy came out talking about how they've been making it for however many years and i mean just about anybody who's relevant in the modern era i will say at least and going back before that it seems like has you been using that stuff and you change that up while at the same time you were juicing the baseballs right another good point right so now you're going to come back and go, even though we're juicing the baseballs for the hitters, making the game more, you know, what, what were they saying? Uh, uh, exciting, you know, to boost viewership. Now you're guy contradicting it by basically telling pitchers you're not exciting. So we're going to make it harder for you while at the same time right. making it easier on the hitters. It's just it doesn't feel like the MLB is is being in the modern era of baseball being fair to these pitchers. It does not. It feels like pitching is getting the shaft. And now, you know, we've got this this thing where we went from seeing dominant pitching in like the steroid era, right? And it right. was like that was a thing where you looked at to where now it's we're not going to do we're not going to to there's no stair, you know, steroid crackdown, right? But we're going to now be the ones that are going to enhance the hitters ourselves. So, like, what does that say for the MLB? Like, how is that any different than these guys with steroid taking steroid usage during the steroid era when you still have to hit the ball? But now you're making the ball, you know, at in that point in time there with when Judge came, you know, the early years of Judge, making it like a freaking tennis ball off yeah. of a bat. So, yeah, the this all started. Um... I think it was Genesis Cabrera. It was Cardinals pitcher reliever. Right. Um, I don't remember who they were playing, but I think the opposing manager yells out. He can see him gripping his hat, whatever. So the ump goes out there and starts talking to him, and I think tells him to switch his hat. Right. And Mike Schilt, I think, is the either the manager. Maybe, uh, yeah, he's the manager of the Cardinals for the time at that point. He comes out and starts letting him have it. Like, no, you're not messing with my guy. This has been mm -hmm. baseball's dirty little secret forever. Like, right. uh, you're not going to start enforcing it right now when it's flown under the radar for so long. Well, props to Mike Schilt because it took some cojones to go out there and do it and call it out as he sees it. And he's right. Right. It's been a dirty little secret. You don't just stop and try to enforce it middle of the season mm -hmm. like that. And so the common denominator between all these, you make a good points. Like, the players even, especially the pitchers, I remember Justin Verlander coming out and acknowledging the difference between baseballs before and after the All-Star break mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. So 2021 probably, acknowledging the difference, how they feel, the grip, and then how they carry as well. Right. There's some validity to that. So guys have been playing over a decade. They know how that feels. They know yes. the weight, everything. You feel all of it. So if 
if there is a change, I would trust their word over the suit and tie guy in the front office. Yeah. hundred percent. I don't trust Rob Manfred at all. We're, we'll segue this into the next topic of Rob Manfred on contract Bru- regulations. Before you hit in there, I want I want to make one more point because I, I saw this video last night and it and it it may I think has some relevance in what we're talking about. Is do you remember? Oh gosh, what's this guy's name? Uh, when Pat uh, Venditti Vendetti, I think is his name, the ambidextrous pitcher for Oakland. Came into the league? Vaguely, yeah. Okay, do you remember how in the minors uh, there was that – there was a, like a situation between him and a batter that was a switch-hitting batter, and they continuously kept – like he would change his glove, the batter would change the box. And it, and it went on until they finally – like the umpire came out and forced – like basically said this is how it's going to go because there wasn't a rule in place. Right. Did you ever see? Do you remember? You remember that going? I vaguely remember the scenario. Okay. I don't like as an urban legend. I don't have any video evidence or any research on it. So I'll take. So there I'll is a video. You, you okay. I, I definitely recommend looking it up afterwards because it's number one. It's hilarious. But the reason I'm bringing that up is because you know this rosin and sweat thing. There's not really like there may be a, like a sticky, you know, rule right, but like right. to this specifically. Like there's not a rule on that. Like we've we've talked about specific substances like the spider tech, but we haven't talked like they've not like specified this stuff. So, you know, later on a few days after that is when the MLB specifically put a rule in place. I think it is it's not just disrespectful to the pitchers, but I think it's disrespectful to baseball at this right. point that you're not having the MLB after multiple situations now, right? Specify, because you need to make yourself clear. It's just like anything else, right? You can do something one time and it's an, you know, ask forgiveness rather than permission. None of these guys are going to ask for permission. No, because then it brings attention, right? That's part of having an edge in the game, right? That's part of baseball being such a, you know, calling in America's pastime because there is so many mind games and it, there is so many nuances to it that just if you haven't been following it or playing it for so long, you know, you just don't know about and you're starting to make it lose its magic. The more and more you do things like this, not only to the players, but I think to the fans. Right. I can I could segue this into a hundred soapbox arguments, but I'm going to try to stay on topic. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's, I have a hard time too. What we're seeing as well is keep in mind what all the rule changes were going into this year. Very few of them, if any, technically benefited the pitchers at all. This is all to develop more runs, keep shorter games. Right. So you can keep people's attention longer. So, because Max Scherzer followed exactly right. So Max Scherzer followed the rule, but because he is so good, it's, ah, well, he's harder to hit this way. Spin, spin rates are higher. Break on pitches is more aggressive. Mm-hmm. They're harder to hit. That means less runs. That means less people are paying attention. We got to do something about it. Not midseason, you don't. Nope. And, I, yeah, like, I, I'm going to be known as the Rob Manfred hater, and I am okay with that. I, I, will, wear, I will wear that crown proudly. But the guy has done 
so much that it's bad for baseball in his tenure as commissioner that we were better off with Bud Selig. So yep. what, what have you, my, what do I know? But, um, we'll, we'll segue that into another Manfred mishap. Uh, we could, we could hold on to that, a Manfred mishap, and make that little segment ongoing. Yep. What did Rob do this week that was bad for baseball? Um, comments on long-term contracts uh, from Ma- Rob Manfred this week. Basically came out and said um, that long-term contracts were bad for baseball because they turned the stars of today into – there you go. The stars of tomorrow, and they're overpaid for it. You and I talked about this a little bit previously. Mm-hmm. Um, this is at a conference or something that he's speaking at, and I, I don't know the full context behind it, but he iterated a, a paragraph behind it that's pretty explicit. So the rebuttal from Tony Clark, the president of the Players Association, is pretty much that's a non-starter over our dead body. That's never going to happen. So what I think speculation is what we can look elsewhere in sports and see Rob Manfred's talking about the decade long contracts. So in recent history, we've got like Julio Rodriguez got 13 years for 210 mil uh, at the end of last season. Manny Machado has since re-upped, yeah, Mm -hmm. re-upped 11 year deal. Rafael Duvers got an 11-year deal. Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, list goes on. Yep. He's trying – Rob Manfred wants less of those contracts. Ultimately, I think, yes, I understand you're the commissioner. That's none of his business. That's between the team and the players. The yep. ownership of said team and the players. How that is paid out – shouldn't really affect you at all. They're not breaking any rules. You're trying to change the landscape. I fear this. If he gets what he wants, we're headed towards the max contract mold we see in basketball. You get like, what, five, six years? Um, I don't know if it's capped as far as what you can get, but you don't get anybody for longer than five, six years. And the reality is what we've seen as far as extensions for the younger guys in this offseason, the Braves have done it a bunch, Houston did it. Um, They're giving guys contracts for high A average annual pay, Mm -hmm. but they are the five, six years. Baseball's regulating itself. The managers are doing just fine without you throwing your nose in the middle of it. Yes. So that would be a thing. And I would say not to throw shade at the NBA – I don't think max contracts and things of that nature would benefit baseball at all or the players. What you see, and I would hate, I would hate to see it. I bet Manfred would love to see it is like absolute absurdity at the, at the trade deadline. That's what you get almost at NBA trade deadline every year. There's guys you've never heard of that are on max contracts or fairly close that get dumped uh, just to preserve payroll space. Um, so what I think ultimately it does is it wire it widens the gap between competitors and teams rebuilding. And so uh, I don't think it's good. So yeah, I what, mean, go ahead. For for me, uh, I, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. 
I do trying to play devil's advocate. I do see a world where if it did work, it could bring a little bit. And again, we're talking a perfect world, which a world that that we're living in, where Manfred's the baseball is is running base, the MLB. It's not a perfect world. Right. So. Yeah, like let's say if somebody other than Manfred's running it and you did it correctly, you could maybe see something to where you don't see the Yankees able to just pump in and buy players like they do necessarily for long periods at a at a time. In the Padres, another one that that seemed to be you know again they're not I wouldn't call the Padres dominant. They haven't won anything, but that that is as far as star power, they've got it. And they're paying for it. So I could, you could see it shifting in the balance, maybe a little more level. But what is one thing we've learned, Clancy, in baseball? It does not matter your payroll, brother. It does not matter how much you cannot buy championships, but you can build good teams. Right. And so there's a difference. And so I think that for baseball, it's kind of a a mute point. Like you're trying to do too much. Stop. Stop it. What you're doing is you are like on top of, I mean, again, not to open up another can of worms, but the amount of freaking rule changes we have seen in the past three years is unbelievable. I mean, the fact that we've got already in in the minor league system, robotic umpiring, that is ludicrous. That is part of what makes this game an, an imperfect, perfect game. Right. And you're ruining all these nuances. You're ruining the fact that we love to hate some of these umpires. Right. Like some of them have a bitter, bigger household name, like like uh, Old West. than Joe some of the West. Pl- Joe West and some of the players. Yeah. Right? right. So I don't want to hate a robot. I don't freaking care because the robot can't hear me. But Joe West can hear me. You know what yeah. I mean? And so like as one example, and then I'll be honest with you. And, and I'm trying so hard not to get off on something, but you know, now, like the 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 universal DH thing, like I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it because now why do we have AL and NL? There's no there's no benefit. There's no benefit. I used like Noah Sin like the year of like the first three years, Noah Syndergaard, Degrom, you know, uh, those guys being in with the Mets organization and seeing home runs from pitchers right or Bumgardner, you know with those years with uh the giants and seeing him hit home runs like man that was so cool to see because it was always kind of like yeah like pitchers still got him you know Bertillo cologne like we're not we're we're moving away from that and now there's no benefit to having you know the nl versus the al when it comes comes to hitting to where you've got a pitcher that can actually hit it doesn't matter now that's fair. Um, yeah, I agree. We could go. We'll have to save that. We'll one have to save it for another time. But, but my point, you get right. It's you're changing right. too much too soon in a in what I would call the oldest game, basically for you know in in the sense of the American you know history, American sports, like something that has been around for for decades upon decades upon decades. With the same rules and the same nuances, yeah, spice it up. Cool. Add a few things. Like like the the extra inning rule. I'm I'm cool with it. Like I don't hate it. It's not the worst thing they've ever done. 
But like, don't tell me you're going to do that universal DH. You're going to do robotic umpiring, and then now you're about to do a, the 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 rule change with the pinch hitting uh, or the what is it, designated pinch hitter thing. Like, yeah, dude, you can lose your. DH. Where do we yeah. where do we draw the line at for rule changes, man? Right. So you're absolutely right. So let's to take zoom out and take an aerial view. I did. I've already ran it on this. I didn't like all the yeah. rule changes that were coming in, but some of them probably are to benefit the bigger bases. Sure. That's fine. We'll get by. Yeah. None of those rules, as soon as they are implemented are going to be perfect right away. Right. You need to put those in, you need to let them play out. You need to adjust them to the game accordingly to where they actually have the desired result. And there's, there's no workaround and you need to perfect the game with those in it before you start trying to add more. Yep. Totally Which agree. goes goes back to the point. Rob Manfred's in a constant state of change, 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 change. No, this game, I'm doing a little research for my next point on this. Baseball is still the number two gross revenue sport in the country. Really? Football's at football's at 16 billion a year. Baseball's just over 10. You're not gonna cover a spread of six billion to overtake football in a year. Not gonna no. happen. No, that should not be the goal either. I understand you want profit 10 billion with how that's set up. You realize how far 10 billion goes like money should not be the driving force behind all of this. No. Preserving the game should, and ultimately the fans will take care of the rest. Right. So yeah, I agree too much. As we say too fast. The fans, uh, we, you know, are what we always say are around around eighty sports is full buy-in. Like you got your full, full buy-in, buy-in sports, man. Right. You have full buy-in in sports from your fans. Stop trying to act like that. You've got to do something for the fans. Fans are just fine. We're just right. fine. Like, you know, I one thing we talk about too a lot. You know, with, with since we've got eighty sports started and we've been you know doing content is. You know, I've said like, hey, like as you know, as long as we continue to do our content and produce our videos and in sports news as something that's fun and we enjoy doing it versus chasing what's going to be profitable to make this thing, you know, more money like the money and stuff will come. Right. Like sponsorships will come. Promotions will come. And in the same sense, like baseball needs to remember that like it is a business. Yes. But at first, before it was anything, it was a game for fun. Right. And I feel like, you know, as it's natural, right? I mean, it's a multi-million dollar, billion dollar industry. But at the heart of it, it's still a game. And we're still, they're still just kids on a ball field, basically, having fun. And the fans, we're having fun watching it. And the more you screw with our game, the more you do these things, chasing, chasing the money, Manfred, the more right. we start losing the interest. Right. And think about it. The number of people that grow up playing baseball is absurd, right? Oh, I yeah. did. You did. Yes. That phases out and the game itself will weave out the best of the best at every level you get to. Yep. I played a little in high school past that big drop off collegiate level players. There's plenty of them. Even bigger drop off is to who goes pro. What we do right now is as close as the normal fan will ever get to the game. You and I are going above and beyond because we're sitting here going, taking time out of our day to have conversations about it. Right. 
this is as close as we're ever going to get to baseball. It's going to a game, watching the game, and talking about it, essentially. Right. Quit messing with that, man. Stop. Like, as far as baseball goes, this is what the fans get. Yeah. That's my two cents worth. The idea I had is interesting. I was thinking about it. He's complaining about long-term contracts and how we see players hold out, not sign till spring training, things of that nature. I'm going to tie that into, I'm drastically not trying to take this towards politics, but we see like headlines of, it'd be like women's sports coming in and saying, well, the men are paid so much more than we are. Right. That's not fair. Well, percentage wise, you're actually making comparable to what the guys make. The revenue's just not there. So right. That got me to thinking, what if baseball sports or sports in general, but let's start with baseball. Why don't we do that? Why don't the example that we can, everybody's watching coming up is going to be Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is the face of baseball currently. Yep. Everybody across this continent and then Japan worldwide, really, they know who Shohei Otani is. He is yep. popular. Could be the closest. We may get a, a half billion dollar contract for this guy next off season. Mm-hmm. If I'm a GM, I don't want to have to worry about incentive bonuses. I want my guys going, playing to the best of their ability at all times. Why wouldn't I just call up the player or if whoever it be, whoever wants to sign Shohei Otani and say, you know what, we're going to bring you in. We will give you 10% of the revenue. For the team for the year. Yeah. You you earn your keep. If the team's good, we're going to make that much more. That includes playoff games. That includes jersey sales. That includes everything. 10% of whatever the Giants make for the year is yours in your pocket. We estimate it to be about this much. You come right. in here, we'll improve these aspects this much, whatever. We'll give you a rough dollar amount, but this is what we expect it to be. Because then, if he's hurt, if the team sucks that year or whatever, guess what? Your your paycheck, oh, I'm sorry, it's not going to be quite $50 million a year. It's probably going to take a 20%, 30% hit, whatever. Right. But why don't we do that? And the question, the problem with this theory is, you know, 10% for the Los Angeles, and Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim is less than 10% of what the New York Yankees bring in. Yep. So I I think it solves a lot of problem with sports if leagues would move towards that model, but it brings what I just said to a to a head. And baseball's tried to I'll bring this up as a good thing because this was around before Rob Manfred, but salary caps are kind of in play. Luxury tax, if you will. Right. You can still go above the luxury tax line. Uh with a penalty. And that penalty hurts. Uh, yeah, that penalty hurts. It's a, it's not just pennies. Uh, no. But if you establish a a hard salary cap, and then salary floor at that too. Nobody just gets to nickel and diamond in. The A's are moving to Vegas. They're going to be able to afford more than thirty million a year in payroll. Yes. So why don't we look at that as far as business structure goes? That's a rhetorical question. There's not really an answer to it. Like Mm -hmm. I said, I pointed out the flaw in it, but 
I think the easy answer though, if there if there is any, is greed, right? I mean, sure. You talk about money. You talk about you know corporate America. You talk about these big you know companies. It all comes down to greed. Everybody right. wants more profit, more percentages in their own pocket because they look at it as, well, I'm the one spending the money, right? Right. So. I think it opens the door too for arguments going in. I remember, uh, I think it was like a rod when a rod landed the 10 year deal, $300 million, make yeah. $3 million a year. It was, I'm the face of your franchise. I'm bringing in a lot of fans to come watch and see me play. And you know what? There, there's some validity to that argument. Yeah. Very much so people will travel to go see a rod when he was at his prime. So if that's the case to say, you know what? I agree with you. I think you're right. And I think that's responsible for X percentage of the revenue. Right. Suddenly at that, if the revenue is not there, you get what you brought in. You're responsible right. for this much, right? So just an interesting thought to think about. No, for sure. And, and you know, to further your point, again, yeah, I, I was at game, uh, was it game one? Yeah, game one of the Astros uh, versus the Mariners, the one with the walk-off from Alvarez last year yes sir and i said we sat next to some mariner fans and they were super cool really really cool fans shout out mariner fans you guys are legit i've sat next i've been at a lot of astro playoff games since they've been good and a, and a handful of the alcs you know or alcs alds and even uh, i think i've been to two world series games by far the nicest fans but, you know, one thing the guy said was he was like, man, we, you know, we, we, we came all the way down from Seattle and we're going to be here for every game. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. He said, yeah, he's right. like, this is the first time we've ever, you know, since Griffey in those years that we've had Ooh. a chance to root for these, this, our team to where we feel like we have a, you know, he's like, do we think it was so funny? Cause he goes, do I, do we think we're going to win? No, no, we're not going to win. He's like, you guys are, you know, you're way better than we are, but. When's the, the last time was in early 2000. Like, right. he's like, this is this is our shot to get the root for him in the playoffs. Man, we're just like, his words were, we're just excited to be here. Right. And like, you know, that's it's part of it, right? Right. So, anyway, that's a good talk, my friend. Uh, it is. On the baseball front, everybody stay connected to Athletically Decline. Uh, we've got some exciting things in the work. We'll be able to talk to some guys that have been farther than just watching the game yep. and talking about it on various uh, mediums. So um, those will be coming up in the future. Keep track of social media. We'll let you know who it is and uh, when those are being set up. And then do you want to promo uh, – draft coming up this week yeah before i hit that though we want to say uh you guys be looking out for next week for uh beating the shift so we're gonna have a very special edition of the mound visit so just to kind of for everybody out there who's fan of mound visit and what clancy's doing you know here and what he's been doing a freaking phenomenal job for us uh mound visit is going to be kind of like our i don't call it catch-all but this is going to be you know the baseball spot so to kind of explain how beating the shift's going to work, it's going to be Braden uh, Evans, who we brought on. Uh, really great kid, uh, D1 athlete. Uh, he's well, right now he's playing for Wharton uh, Community, I think, or you, you know what? Wharton, you know, Wharton, Wharton County Community College. There it is. Blackjack. Uh, yeah, Blackjack, and uh, just killed it. 
I had a really awesome I, I won't spoil it. I'll just back up. But now he's, you know, going to be playing with the uh, University of Baylor, going to be Bears. And uh, we're going to have him as, you know, running beat the shift and you know, he'll be doing a lot of uh, mound visits with Clancy and they'll be tag team and a lot of stuff. But all that to say, we're going to have a special episode where we're going to kind of let you guys get to know Braden, who he is, his story, because it's really cool. Clancy, I think, is going to ask some questions and, you know, it's, uh, really excited. So be, be on the lookout for that. And then, yes, uh, as Clancy said, April 27th, it's a Thursday night. If you guys are at all fans of sports, you're probably aware it's the NFL draft. 7 o'clock Central Time is when it starts. We will be live on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Kick at 6.30. It's going to be a full-blown production setup. You guys are not going to want to miss it. Um, myself, Sly of Hezzy Takes, and then my co-host of Chasing Rabbits, old Craig. We're all going to be hosting. Uh, we're going to have some special guest appearances from our boys with Wild Wild West Sports, a red shirt year, and the new show that we haven't announced yet, but we'll be announcing today. So by the time this goes up, I guess you'll see it, of Mr. Fantasy uh, with Spencer, Mr. Spencer Roland Nolan. So, yeah, it's going to be really cool. Hope you see you guys there. Appreciate the time, Tyler. Thanks for hanging hey, out. Hey, pleasure as always. Guys, thanks for watching the Mound Visit. Show some love and support to our boy, Clancy. Please like and subscribe. Go follow us on all social media. And uh, again, uh, in the comments, let us know what you guys want us to talk about next. Uh, what do you like? What do you not like? And, uh, you know, we really do go through those and look at them. And it's just, again, we also want to thank everybody for the, the for the support. I mean, Clancy, it, it's pretty freaking cool, isn't it? Seeing how, like, quickly we were picking up steam. Only been doing this since the beginning of April. And we've had quite a few videos, like, on our TikToks, man, been killing it. Right. Like goes back to said, comment with us. We're probably some of the few guys that I think we're in this just because we enjoy the sport. If you want to argue via the comments or have a counterpoint, I'll hop in there if I can. I'll tell you why you're wrong. And then you can come <laughs> back and tell me why I'm wrong. Exactly. So we'll have some fun with it. This is completely uh, engageable, if you will. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. It's great talk. Great. Thanks, Tyler. See you, man. Yeah. <laughs>